When we look at these two readings, the first reading from the book of Numbers, and then we hear the gospel, what we hear is two things. One, people of God who do not trust God, and this Canaanite woman who has no faith trusts in him. People of God who do not really trust God and someone who is completely from pagan Gentile territory expresses trust and faith in the Son of God. I think that there's a type of uh, there's a type of, of uh, not only analogy here, but a type of challenge to us. What happens to the people of God? The Lord led them out of the land of Egypt. They didn't have an army. They didn't possess anything. And yet he cared for them. They were able to defeat the Egyptian army who sank in the Red Sea because God was guiding them, protecting them. God protected them when, when they did not have enough food, sent a manna. There's no water. Water came from the rock. When they had no meat and they complained, there's no meat, the meat was given. It is the, uh, the quail that would come and would settle in, in their camp and they were able to, to have what they desired. And so they were very close to the, to the promised land. And so the Lord is, instructs them that they would go and reconnoiter uh, the, 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 the place to check out the area of the promised land. So Moses chooses the best from each tribe. He calls them princes, the firstborn. Those were the, the, the wisest, the smartest, and so on. And so they are the ones who are going to the promised land. And so they go and they see. They see the cities, the towns, the places. And they say, yes, it is true. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And there's all kinds of vegetables. There's all kinds of fruit there. And so they bring samples of it. But they bring something else, a discouragement. They bring a discouragement because what they say is that Yes, it is true. Uh, it is true that all the promises which the Lord gave are true. But he says, but the man who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack these people. They are too strong for us. They have just been discouraged completely. They lost their trust, lost their faith. So they spread discouraging reports among the children of Israel about the land they had scouted, saying, the land that we explored is a country that consumes its inhabitants. And all the people we saw there are huge, veritable giants. We felt like mere grasshoppers, so we must not. So this is what they seem to them. It's the awareness of the smallness, the littleness. Yes, all true. But they have forgotten that God was the one who was guiding them and was with them. And so for their lack of faith, this is the, these are the young people. These are the future leaders of the communities of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
and they're the ones who are spreading discouragement, spreading fear. And so the Lord's response is, that means you're not ready. Your faith is too weak. Your faith is, is not sufficient for you to embrace the promised land that I've given you. And so the Lord says that all those who have participated in this type of discouragement, all those who have left Egypt, all those who will not make it, that they will die in the desert. And so they're there for 40 years in Sinai. And the Lord shows them that he can take care of them for 40 years in the desert. That he's able to give them food and nourishment, everything they need. Yes, for their bodies. But the Lord, as we know, will transform their hearts filled with faith. Remember when they walked, finally when they walked, and they crossed the promised land, and this Jericho, the city of Jericho, seems to be just too powerful for them to overcome. Remember when they, the Lord says, you walk around seven times around the city, and do you know what happened? The walls came tumbling down. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the military. They didn't have the you know, appropriate weapons to take the wall down. God gave him. And so this was the training over 40 years, being in the desert, to gain confidence, to gain trust, to gain the strength that only God can provide. This is the invitation for us today. The invitation is that, yes, we're men and women of faith, and yet we seem to be discouraged too quickly. We don't have the, the confidence in God that he can help and overcome. Ultimately, he's preparing us for eternity to be with him. And the in-between things that we occur, they're not to discourage us, but actually empower us to pray more, to remain faithful, to rely on God, to trust in him. This whole message of divine mercy is to trust the Lord. This is a message for our times. Why do you think God gave us this message of trust, mercy and trust? Is because we lack mercy and we lack trust. And so the Lord anticipates the difficulties of our world today by reminding us of this incredible, extraordinary truth that we can rely on him and that he is merciful. We may seem like we're trapped. Too many people are trapped in, in sin, in weakness, in, in crazy ideologies, whatever it is. And yet we know that God can and will. God can help us and will, but we have to respond in trust. Otherwise, we'll be discouraged just like the the people of God who have seen these extraordinary signs and yet they have quickly forgotten. And so they lack, lack that inner strength, which comes from faith, which comes from, from God's love. Here we see just the opposite in the gospel. There's a Kenite woman there from, you know, a place full of sin, southern Lebanon. And guess what happens? She leaves her own territory because there's no help. The territory which is without God cannot help them, cannot help her. She identifies herself like every mother does with the sufferings and pain of her daughter. She's possessed. She has no control over it, no power. She probably tried and no one else could eliminate that evil from her. She's possessed and she has the courage to leave her country, the, the country of darkness where there's no faith and the Canaanite towns, Sidon, Tyre, were known a lot of idolatry. And so she leaves and goes south. And 
And guess what happens? The Lord Jesus leaves the land, the promised land. He goes north into the pagan territory. This is the Father's love. This is God's providence. Jesus is sent by the Father. He's the Son of God, sent towards her. He enters the pagan territory as she walks and she's looking for, for Messiah to heal her daughter from the, from the enemy of, of the, their enemy. So you see the movement. Jesus walks towards us. We will have to walk towards him. Yes, he is inviting us to walk, and this is what happens. She encounters the Lord, but we see here something unusual. Yes, they're walking towards each other, and they encounter, they meet. She cries out, and the Lord is silent. For how long, we do not know, but the disciple says, look, you gotta do something. She's driving us crazy. She's crying and yelling and crying, crying for help. You gotta do something. And so the, finally the Lord does encounter her and she cries and she says, my daughter is possessed. I, I ask you to give, you, give her the grace of healing. And the Lord quotes that which he came for originally is the beginning, beginning of his mission was to save the people of Israel. Israel. But that is the truth. And yet he walks into the, into the territory of the, of the Gentiles to show mercy. She's crying out for mercy and the Lord's mission is to remove evil, Satan from our hearts, from possessions. This is the Jesus' mission is precisely to confront the evil that is with us. And then, and then the Lord through the silence, sometimes the Lord, we ask him and he seems like he's silent. And, and yet we see that the silence has a purpose to develop even deeper trust, the deeper cry. There she is, not only is she crying, but she goes and she prostrates herself before the Lord, dropping to her knees and he's begging him. And the Lord says to her, you know that because he was sent first of all, first of all to the people of Israel, to the people, the, the, uh, the people of God. And he says, it's not right to throw food to dogs because we have to feed the children first. But she is very wise. And she says, and almost traps Jesus in his own words. He says, but even if you take care of children, there's still crumbs come down on the floor and I just want a crumb. Beautiful expression of faith. But she used her you know, I, I say kind of type of wisdom that only is born out of great need. Cry out of great need. So she cries out to the Lord. It says, even, even children, even the, you know, the crumbs fall to the ground and this is what she wants. And this is why Jesus says to her woman, your great faith, your great faith has given you the, the, the gift of miracle Jesus performs. We see the mercy of God, but if we take the whole gospel, we see how the Lord moves towards us. We are to move towards him. And even when we move towards him, doesn't mean the Lord responds right away. He's asking us to develop a deeper trust in him.
And it is the cry that comes from her heart, cry of that mother's love for her daughter. She will not let go. She will not let go. She identifies herself just like every mother. She, cries, she probably hurts more than the daughter and she knows the daughter can't do anything about it because she's possessed. She has no freedom. The evil one has overcome her. She has no freedom. We see what, what the Lord does when we cry out. Today we have also a very wonderful person that we honor today is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Um, known, uh, she was born Edith Stein, born in Breslau, which was at that time Germany, now it's Poland. Very, very young, she was the 11th child. The mother loved her because she was born on, on, on Divine Mercy Sunday, the Yom Kippur. <laughs> so she was a special child for her. And so your mother loved her, but, but you know, the special child sometimes seems to wander off quickly. At the age of 14, she decided she won't pray anymore. Well, if you stop praying one year, you, you stop f believing. And so this is how she entered the, the world of, of atheism is because she just basically said, I don't want to follow your, my mother's example or my family example, I want to be myself. And there she is. She lost her father. She was, uh, he was a businessman working with uh, lumber. So the mother had to take care of 11 children on her own. So she had no time really to help perhaps develop faith. Maybe she was kind of maybe, maybe a little bit too aggressive. Who knows? We do not know. But at any rate, she lost faith. Um, her, she, was, she was brilliant in mind. Ultimately, she went to a university in, in uh, Breslau of Wrocław. And then she transferred to the uh, to University of Gettenberg, uh, uh, the, uh, where the famous professor uh, Husserl, Husserl was a professor, a teacher. Many, many famous people went to study uh, at the university. Uh, uh, so, so, the, uh, so there she was. And not only was she a brilliant woman, but she was someone who, uh, who uh, wished to, uh, to assist and, and, and not only to assist, but to, a teach, to be a professor. And, and it was Husserl who took her as her assistant. Very special. If a professor takes you for an assistant so quickly, that means you must be very smart. As a matter of fact, she was. She put all his work together because he was kind of disorganized. So he had these huge notes. She was the one who was putting everything together, so he became more famous by his works, the published works, but it's thanks to her. She knew him better than, than he himself, possibly, you know, the phenomenology which he was teaching. But anyway, that's my opinion. But, it, but the fact is that, that she did. And then World War I came and she volunteered to be a nurse. Uh, but a couple of years later, she, uh, she went back to university, got her doctorate degree and she remained at the university for a while. But what happened is during World War I, the sufferings that, that uh, people endured, as a matter of fact, one of the, her co-students, co-professor co -professor at, the, at the university, he died during World War I. And she dreaded to go and visit his wife because, you know, because uh, she felt that she's gonna be in such a despair, but she came up and she said, you know, she found out that, that the wife of the, um, of the man professor who was there was a convert. 
she be embrace uh, Christianity was a was a, a, a evangelical Christianity, and she saw how much faith she had, and that kind of moved her. She said she should be in despair, and that she has faith. She wrote her dissertation by saying that there's something in this world where we see that there's the additional type of what people call grace affecting people and are able to overcome great obstacles, sufferings, even tragedy. And so she included in her doctoral dissertation this, this phrase, you know, there's something here. And it was like in the beginning of her faith, the beginning of her faith. She went into, she was searching for truth. And by way of searching for truth, she found God. She had a very close friend named Roman Ingarden, and I came to know him because I was studying Polish literature and, and aesthetics, and he was a key figure in, the, in that field. And, and so, um, and I found that he had letters from her. For 20 years, there was a correspondence between her and, and him. He was, he was quite close to her. But when I read those letters, something that was so extraordinary, I, I found out how she described her beginning of her conversion. You know, she writes to him and he responds to, uh, he writes to her and she responds to him. He says, you say to me, why are you getting involved with, with, uh, with people like Augustine Thomas? He says, why would you wanna go into these dark ages to find wisdom? Don't we have better philosophers of today? Aren't they smarter? And they, why would you wanna go to these dark ages to retrieve truth or so? And she responds to him, you say this to me. And he says, what hubris on our part. He says, what we have today in comparison to those of those you call from dark ages, those were giants of, of, of philosophy, giants of, 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 of knowledge. And so this is the beginning how she started looking and looking at Augustine, looking at Thomas, looking at the early church writers. And, and discovering wealth of truth, knowledge. And then from there, finally she, she write, reads a book, you know, I guess, uh, I'm not too sure. I believe it was one of her spiritual, sort of not exactly directors, but friends, who was a, um, a, you know, you know, a Benedictine monk. He gave her to read the book of St. Teresa of, of Avila, you know, the, the, the you know, her story of her life. And so when she read it, she was kind of pushed. And so finally, at the age of 30, she becomes Catholic. She's baptized. She wants to enter the monastery with the, uh, the, the, the Carmelites, but she's being discouraged by the same Benedictine who said, she knows too early, you should focus on, 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 on teaching, teaching Christian philosophy, teaching Christian knowledge. Uh, this will be very, very important because you, you cannot just waste your, 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 your abilities which God gave you. So she listens to them. She writes a couple extra books, teaches in Catholic schools. Uh, so there until the time comes when Hitler ascends and, and begin the, the anti-Jewish uh, push uh, and, 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 and destruction. So she's not able to obtain any teaching positions. And so the, uh, the, the, she enters the monastery, the Carmelites, the Carmelites from Germany sent her to Holland for protection. Um, but ultimately, um, in 1942, it is the, uh, the, bish the, the bishops of, of um, Holland 
really attack Nazis for what they were doing, especially against the Jews. And so, and so in retaliation, uh, Hitler arrests all the, uh, all, or is arresting not only Jewish, but also Jewish Christians or Jewish Catholics. And so she is sent, captured, she's sent to, um, to Auschwitz. But, the, but the, the powerful statement there, she loved the Lord so much, she understood the mystery of the cross, that's why she chose her name. She says, I'm offering my life for my people. She says, sometimes we cannot discuss, give reasons, rational reasons why people cannot do certain things. The only thing that we have is that we offer ourselves like a Holocaust. We offer ourselves like Jesus has offered himself to the Father. And this is our greatest form of prayer. We can protect and guide others. We can convert others. We can help them to realize who God is by our absolute self-immolation, offering ourselves. And this is why entering the karma was precisely that. She wanted to do it early on because she started realizing who Jesus is, the power that he has, the power that he has for us when we unite ourselves with him, when we surrender ourselves to him, offering everything that we are, especially our sufferings, because it becomes redemptive. This is the mystery that St. Paul speaks of, that those who... Uh, you know, who, who unite their suffering with Christ. It actually is a redemptive gift for the people, for the church, for the people of our time. This is why we can participate in that, in that self, that giving of self. She is the one who wanted to, just like Faustina said, to save souls, save souls. It was enough that she found God, that she found the Lord but you want to do something more. The more the someone, the closer the person is to, to the Lord, the more they're open to the grace, the power of grace, then the more they desire to offer themselves on behalf of others so that others may be saved. And this is why how many of you as parents or grandparents or brothers, sisters who offer prayers, you know, offer sometimes for a long time, we can't count the cost. It could maybe 10 years, 10, 5, 10, 20 years, doesn't matter. Our life has to be a life of, like, example of, of, of uh, Saint Teresa, Benedict of the Cross, or so many other saints. And ultimately, the example is Jesus. Jesus who offers himself, and he wants us to do the same. With this type of spiritual uh, encouragement or perhaps this type of way of life, we're able to do extraordinary things and we will not be able to know how much good, how much great, great gifts we have given to others until one day when we're in heaven, when many people will come would say, thank you for your prayer. Thank you for carrying the cross. Thank you for offering yourself on behalf of those who are dying or those who are in need of his mercy, because this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's will. He gave us the gift of salvation but we are to receive it. And many do not, we don't want to participate. We don't want to receive. And by our, by our intercession, by our interceding on their behalf, we will be able to obtain it. We see the, the woman from Canaanite, from, from Tyre, Sidon Tyre, look what she did on behalf of her daughter. We have the power. So may the Lord we today continue to grace us with with a deep sense of knowledge of the truth of our faith, that the Holy Spirit may come down upon us each day as we invite him 
so that we may live for others, live for the Lord, live for others, and in this way attain the gift of salvation given to us by Christ. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.